You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. Again, you are listening to the Manifested God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth, and we are all ready to get started on this evening. Come on and go with me over to first Kings 11. Again, we are on every Monday at 7 p.m. So good to see you all. I truly believe that God has kept you. And if you think about it, he's even blessed you since I've last spoken to you. I'm pretty sure there's some increase if you give it some thought. I'm pretty sure some healing took place if you give it some thought. And I'm absolutely sure that there's a new breath, a fresh breath of life that is flowing through your veins right now. And not only to you that are under the sound of my voice, but also to your children and also to your children's children and to our leaders that are listening. Can I tell you that you have turned a corner and that God has truly increased you, not only in strength, but in wisdom, but in wisdom, uh-huh, God has done it just in you. And guess what? He's done it in you because he knows that he can trust you and get it through you. He can give it through you. Come on, you got to say amen. You got to say amen to that, how God has kept you. Get over to 1 Kings 11, and I am in the amplified version. I'm in the amplified version. And I may be talking to leaders today, but right now I'm talking to those who are believers, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the one who has was born, who lived and who died and who is resurrected and is sitting at the right hand of the father. I'm talking to those that believe that today. And I don't care if you're new to Christianity and you are struggling and what you believe, if you're wavering and if you're unsure. But can I tell you that God has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit and that gift is going to teach you all things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And while you might be on shaky ground today, you won't be on shaky ground tomorrow. I'm prophesying to you now. You won't be on shaky ground in the next hour. You won't be on shaky ground any longer. It's up to you to choose to believe it because the promise is yours. The promise is yours. You say yes, God says amen. You agree. You agree. First Kings 11 and uh, yeah, chapter, chapter 11 and verse 11. It says, now King Solomon, King Solomon, I'm sorry, let me pronounce that right. King Solomon in the Amplified Version, it says defiantly, defiantly loved a many foreign women. And then it says, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, a Moabite, an Ammonite, an Edomite, a Sidonian, and a Hittite woman. So along with whom he was betrothed to, I guess we could say it like that, along with whom he entered into relationship with, alliance with Pharaoh, that king, he married her daughter. He also he also married or, or had uh, affection for a Moabite woman, an Ammonite woman, an Edomite woman, a Sidonian woman, and a Hittite woman. Come on, stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm about to help your faith today. We must understand here, I have a note here, that Solomon, in establishing a relationship with Pharaoh, and that's what they called kings at that time of Egypt, he married his daughter, much like a, a, a political alliance today. He decided to marry his daughter for the good of, of his people. The Bible does not speak 
really to this woman that he married, ever pulling Solomon away from God's ordinances like many of the other wives he had did. And remember, the scripture says he defiantly loved. So that means that he went against the promises of God, against the will of God for his life, against the instruction of God for his life. And he went to add to Add to what God said he could have to what he added to it, what he wanted to. He added to it what he wanted. Scholars also believe that it may not have been against the law for him to marry the king, Pharaoh, the Pharaohs, to marry his daughter. It might not have been against the will of God for him to do so because she possibly was instructed in the Jewish religion. So she had left behind the teachings of her father and she had turned to the Lord, well, to God at this point. At this point, she had turned to God. She had put all that was, uh, that she had been brought up in behind her and she had turned to God so that, and she had become one with Solomon. So, so in a sense for Solomon, along with her, so along with what was legal, along with um, establishing that legal relationship, the Bible says he added to that. He also established a relationship with the foreign women, many of whom that's what he wanted. He did that because that's what he wanted. Come on, stay with me because you know I'm going somewhere. He added to that what he really wanted. So, so this begs the question. What have we as individuals, those of us who believe in Christ, those of us who are just coming to understand Christ and we are shaky in our understanding of who God is, what have we added foreign? What have we added to what was legal for us to have? What foreign thing have we added to that? What have we, what have we added. And for those of my producers who are in my studio, could you please turn this fan off above my head? I must have left the fan on. For those, for, so so think about this. What have we added to what God has said we could have? What have we added to that that he has said we could not have? What have we decided that is a thing that we want? And we've added to it that is now become what we're talking about today, the stumbling blocks to our faith, the stumbling blocks to our faith. What have we added to what God has said we could have that God said we could not have? What are we trying to merge today? What are we trying to merge that is a stumbling block to our faith? This is a question that can be hard to answer, but it is one that the scriptures, you know, I constantly refer that we must examine ourselves. What is it that we can look at today that is constantly over and over again? whether it be periodically or frequently, a stumbling block to our faith. See, because there are some things that we can add that we don't even realize that we've added and we have no intention of submitting those things or causing those things to be submitted to the will of God. And because we've decided that we don't want those, we want that, we're not giving, we're not giving that thing the proper attention that it deserves. We're not dismissing it as we should. Instead, we make it comfortable because it makes us comfortable. We make it comfortable because it makes us comfortable. It's important to know, especially, especially when you're growing in God to my babies, it's important to know, it's important to know what, what it is that you're allowing to exist in your space that has no intention of submitting to God and, and knowing what God it has submitted to, because that God that it's submitted to 
is your stumbling block in faith. It is what's hindering you from fully believing and understanding who God is. Not only who God is, period, but who God is in you. So it is your stum it is the stumbling block of your faith. Of your faith, it's in your way. It's in your way. Let's look at some of what Solomon chose to add to to add to what God said he could have. See, because the Bible, we have to be clear, and I'm going to keep repeating this, he defiantly loved. He knew, he knew, he was raised up in God. He knew what God permitted him to have and not have. He knew what God permitted him to love. He knew, he knew. However, however, he thought that he could combine the two and just have what he wants. How many times have we thought that we could have what we want? How many times have we allowed the enemy to whisper in our ear, God wants you to be happy? You can have that. God wants you to be happy. And we know that it's against the will of God. Let's look at what Solomon chose to love. It says that he loved the Moabite women. He, he married a Moabite woman of all the many women, of including the one that he could marry. He added to that a Moabite woman, a Moabitess. He added that. So let's look at where they come from. The Moabites, now let's remember this because I'm going to take you back. And for those who, who are new in Christ, I'm going to show you something. He, The Moabites were a people that descended from Lot. They were born out of an incestuous relationship when his daughter, when Lot's daughter slept with her father. So this is an incestuous relationship. And she had a son named Moab. Moab means from father. So she had a son, Lot's daughter, when she slept with him, when he gotten drunk one day and she laid with him, she had a son and she called him Moab. These are the people that were born out of that son. The God, remember I told you, you need to know the God, the God of the Moabites was um, Kimish, Kimish, that was his name. And this God was considered an, an um, abomination, an abomination. In 2 Kings 3 and 27, it says there that Kamash had, a, this God had a taste for blood. And what people would do that served this God, they would give him human sacrifices human sacrifices. They felt like this is what this God required, much like a lot of the Canaanite religions who would, um, who served like Baal and Molech and um, Beelzebub, they would give human sacrifices to these gods. So this particular God that he kind of represented the heat of the summer sun and his name was Kamash and he was considered a subduer. So so Solomon married, married a Moabite and added to what God said he could have a subduer. And what happened was Solomon was, became subdued, not to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to God, but he became subdued to the, what he chose to, uh, to, to, to be in relationship that God said he could not have he became subdued to that. So he became subdued to Kamash, to that God, to that God versus God, versus God. And although, and this is the thing about it, um, this particular God being an abomination of Moab, it, it was, it is a part of what this, oh, remember this, you guys are going to remember this, who, who are uh, long-term Christians, who've been Christians for a while. This is the same God that Josiah destroyed 300 years later. This is the same uh, statue uh, worship center that he tore down. He's a part of that same worship center. So this God was around a lot. This is the same God that Jeremiah prophesied against when he said that, that the people that served him were going to be taken away into captivity back in Jeremiah 48. This is that same God. So here we see where, where uh, Solomon was brought into submission to this God. He was brought in submission to a subduer. 
someone who would subvert his foundation, a God who would subvert his foundation in the true and living God. He added an ability to conquer and bring into subjection. So think about what a subduer is. It is the ability to conquer and to bring in subjection. This is what Solomon added to his life, but he added it from the opposing God, from the false God. He bought in someone that had the ability to conquer and bring into subjection, to vanquish, to bring under control, especially, get this, by exertion of will by exertion of will. So he added what could bring him into subjection, not to God or God's will, but bring him under the control of his enemy to by exerting his will over Solomon's will. This is what he bought in. All he knew was that the woman was whatever he thought the Moabite woman was. That's all he knew is that he wanted her. But we must be careful because what he bought in would eventually become his stumbling block, would be what subverted his foundation of faith. And now he bought in what is a yet an obstacle to his faith. He bought in his own battle. He bought in his own warfare. He bought it in. He married it. He came in relationship with it. He bought it into relationship with himself. So this tells us that we must first examine what we allow in our space. Okay, we must first examine that. We must make sure that it is not something that we are not trying to mix something that God does not permit with what God does permit. We must be careful that we don't allow it to stay better yet, that we want it to stay, that we get comfortable with its, with its staying, that we desire it. Why do we desire? Because it makes life easier for us. It meets our needs. It fulfills our needs. It, 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 it's in our space, we must understand, to exert its will over our will. And our will is aligned with God. So it's in us. We are accepting it. Its purpose, its goal, its goal is to overt our foundation to subvert, I'm sorry, subvert our foundation. It is, its goal is, is, it works against God. It works against God, you know? So there, and I'm not talking about, so let's be clear. I'm not talking about the leader that told you yesterday, sit down, shut up and follow their instructions. I'm not talking about that Christian leader that is trying to discipline you so that God can actually use you. I'm not talking about that manager that told you on the job that you talk too much and that you need to sit down and get your work done. Let's be clear. I'm not talking about those that discipline you so that you can be useful to the kingdom of God or to your or to your job or to your, your parents that are trying, to my young people that are trying to teach you something so that you can grow up and be that upstanding citizen that can actually contribute to society and that God can use. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the one that is trying to subvert your foundation towards evil. You know, those friends that you have that do those things that you like, that you don't want to let go of, that your parents may not know of, so you think. And those, those friends that have you doing things that you know that you haven't been taught and that are leading you astray, man, young man, that are leading you astray away from God. I'm not, I'm talking about those people. I'm talking about that thing that you're trying to combine with your with your with your spiritual being that you're trying to get that you're allowing access to you as a young man or woman or as a man or woman in God. Those things that you're letting have access to you that are trying to subvert the very foundation that God is building in you and that those who love you are building in you. That building in you, those are the ones that you want to look at and that you want to decide, okay, what 
has to go, what needs to go, what cannot stay. See, because there comes a time, and I, I, I tell this to my children a lot, there comes a time, a certain age you get to where you start to make a decision on the type of person you want to be. You begin to decide who it is you want to be, who you might, you even might go as far as to say who you might want to model yourselves after. And you begin to understand that as you look around at the people that you have around you, that they are not helpful to where you want to go. They, they are not, they're not going to be, they're not going to be good for you for where it is you'd like to go or the type of person you want to be. And that takes years. I'm watching my children now figure it out. It takes years to decide, okay, this is who I want to be. And these are the type of people I want to be around. And you have to make that decision. You are not going to be forever going to be able to blame your situations and your circumstances on someone else. Eventually, you have to take responsibility for it. And you're going to know when that time comes, because when you try to shift the blame, those that have authority in your life are going to assess you as if you're crazy, because they're going to be telling you what I'm telling you now, which is you have the ability to make those decisions, to make those changes. To some, it comes later in life. To others, it could come earlier in life. But regardless, the decision is yours to make. And you have to reach that point. You will reach that point in your life where you must take responsibility for your life. You must take responsibility for your decisions. And we're talking here about a man who Solomon, who was in his twenties and he was becoming the king. This is why the scriptures talk about him going to God and asking excuse me, for wisdom, because he did not, he knew that everyone that he had to govern, the majority were older than he, and he knew that he didn't know. What does that tell us? It's okay to ask for wisdom. It's okay to go to those that you believe have that wisdom, those that are in God and they have that wisdom. It's okay to go to them and seek advice. It's okay to go to them and seek direction. You don't have to go in circles trying to figure it out. Now, Solomon asked for wisdom to lead God's people, but what he did not do, and this is an example for you, he did not go ask for wisdom how to deal with separating what he want from what God said he could have. He didn't ask about that. He asked for wisdom to govern God's people, but he didn't ask, okay, I'm, I'm young. I want that. I like that. But God told me that I can't have that. How do I help myself from wanting that? How do I deal with that? That's the question that we're not as saints, older saints in God being asked today from those who are younger than us in God. You won't get a lot of questions about, because uh, I guess, you know, it could be that they're afraid of the condemnation because some, some of the older saints, Lord Jesus, we act like we've never been young before. And so they don't want to come to some of us. And I try my best to make myself as accessible as possible to, to, to the younger generations because they need somebody that they can come to and ask these questions to and say, hey, I, I, I like this, but I know that that's not going to be good for me, but I want it. But I want it. What do I do about that? What do I do about that? And that's not an easy conversation to have, just like it's not easy for them to admit to it. It's not easy for them to hear the advice that's going to come their way. But we have to find a way to explain to them the bigger picture, the bigger picture. I always point my children to the bigger picture. Don't worry about the, the girl or the guy that gets on your nerves as you're going through the different phases of growth, the different classrooms of growth. Don't worry about that. See, because they have goals and their goals may have already been met by where they're at today. And your goals surpass where you're at today. So don't worry about their criticism or their harassment or their trying to intrude on, on your in your space. And in your you can you can just move them out the way ever so gingerly, 
ever so kindly. You can just move them out the way because your goals surpass their goals. They would never comprehend your goals anyway. So you look past them and you keep your eye on the bigger picture. To my babies, keep your eyes on the bigger picture. Your goal is to get to know God. Your goal is to grow in God. Anything that's trying to hinder you is trying to disrupt your growth because it wants you to stay as low as it is. And Solomon being in his twenties, going through these phases and, and picking wives, all he knew was what he saw he wanted and he had the power to get it. But the stumbling blocks that they would become to his faith, he had to learn in time. Can I tell you that there's some things that you don't have to actually experience if you're willing to let an older saint, uh, someone you trust that has that wisdom guide you through that? You don't have to experience. It's okay to trust someone else's experience and you can avoid that. You can skip right on by that. But let's continue. Let's continue. That was a long sidebar, wasn't it? Let's continue. Uh, let's talk about Solomon's other choices. One other choice he had was that of an Ammonite. He had the choice of an Ammonite woman. And this woman, again, we're back to Lot. Lot's younger daughter had slept with Lot and she had had a child with her father. She named the child Ben-Ami. And they, this particular, uh, these particular people, the Ammonites, they were nomads and they were born, they are people of this particular person, Ben-Ami, who is the well, the son, the grandson, both of Lot. The Ammonites, they were a pagan people and they worshiped a God called Milcom and they worship a God called Molech. And Sam, Solomon, Salmon, Solomon, he married, uh, the wife that he married was Nama. He married a woman and she was an Ammonite, First Kings, the 14th chapter. And this drew him into idolatry. It drew him into idolatry, First Kings, uh, First Kings eleven. And Molech, this particular god, was considered a fire god. He had a face of a calf, and he had an image of arms that were like outstretched to to um, receive the babies that were sacrificed to him. They sacrificed their children to this God, to this God. And so in thinking of these things, just, just dwelling on this particular thing, what might, what might an individual have decided to add to God that, that, that would cause them to be, be given over to idolatry? Why, why would they submit to, to, to something that would draw them into idolatry. See, remember, excuse me, Solomon knew that he was not to marry an Ammonite. He knew that was off limits because he knew those people to be a people. He knew the God they served and he knew that they were to be a people of adultery. So, so if we consider, if we consider, um, we don't Solomon or let's consider ourselves and let's think about the the appetite that we might have to have an Ammonite resident in our space. Why why would we why would we be okay with an Ammonite resident in our space, knowing that they are given over to adultery, knowing that they are given over to sacrificing their children, sacrificing their children to a God, to a God of adultery. Why, why, why would we do that? Why would we do that? Let me tell you something. There, there are those that are so, so, so caught up, arrogance and pride has become so engraved in their person, in their person that 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 they that they would fight you if you told them, "Listen, I believe that you need deliverance from arrogance and pride." They fight you. They fight you. They would swear that they are not arrogant, that they are not prideful. Listen, there is a there. Pride and arrogance being made to feel comfortable in our space, in our house, in our home. It's because it protects us. 
when I've seen that in the past, it was because that that spirit that uh, that spirit it was a, a means of protection. It protected the house. It 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 gave the house character. It 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 protected the house from 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 feelings of inadequacy. It, it, you know, see human beings, they can't forever, they can't forever live in the shadow of, of, of being neglected as a child. They can't forever live in the shadow of abuse or abandonment or alcohol abuse or drug abuse or, or emotional abuse. They can't forever live in that. And sometimes that spirit of adultery will introduce pride and arrogance as a form of protection. It becomes a hard shell around them that makes them feel safe, that makes them feel untouchable, that makes them feel that nothing can hurt or harm them. But inside is a child that's crying out for help because they can't cope with life as it stands. Their insecurity won't allow them to deal to nakedly stand and deal with life as it is. So they hide behind the pride and the arrogance and allow that and allow that spirit of adultery to shield them, to shield them from the, from the, from the, uh, the trials and tribulations that come with the realities of growing up. Not just growing up with in God, but growing up in this world. This is a harsh world, a harsh world to grow up in for someone who has grown up in abusive relationships or emotional abuse or, or, or been mistreated as a child and never had a childhood. This is a tough world to grow up in because it's not kind. This world is not kind. It is abusive. It breaks. It is abusive to people of different with differences. It is abuseful to differences. It's abuseful to color differences. It's abuseful to speech and language differences. It's abuseful to culture differences. It's abusive. And if you're a child that that if you're an adult that never had a that had an abusive childhood and you were abused as a child growing up as adult as an adult in this world today can be fearful can can make one fearful so we so so they accept the the spirit of adultery they marry god they marry god with another god with the god of adultery with the god that 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 will make them sacrifice their children because listen here when we talk about sacrificing a child in this day and time, sacrificing a child in this day and time is, is giving them, putting them through the same neglectful behaviors that you grew up in. Is putting them through the same emotional abuse that you grew up in. Is it's not it's it's not it's 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 when you don't protect them and make them feel safe, even though you weren't protected and you weren't made to feel safe. So you in turn are marrying that Ammonite and you are sacrificing your child to, to a Milcom or to Molech because you won't parent them. You won't, you won't love them through good, bad, and indifference. You won't, you won't make them feel safe. You won't, you won't uh, give them a, a, give them space to, to grow up and learn. Like I often say, you can, you can run into the walls head on full speed in, in our house, in my husband and I, in our home, because it's padded with prayer. Oh, you might, you might knock yourself out, maybe even get a little concussion, but you'll live but you'll live. Make all your mistakes right here. Make it, try and try to, try to get it all out right here so that when you go out in the world, you're secure. You're secure and you know who you are. 
you know who you are. A lot of times when uh, my children were growing up, I didn't, I didn't, they didn't go spending the night everywhere. They, my mom and papa, they didn't go spending the night though, other, other than that, because I didn't, I didn't want to just, I, I refuse even to the day, even to this day, I refuse to just hand my children over to the enemy. As long as I'm alive, I'm their mother. And as long as I'm alive, God has given me charge to raise them in every stage of their lives. I'll always be their mother. While my parenting might change, we, like my husband and I would say, we will always be your parents. Our style, we will, it will have to change. It will look different the older you get, but we'll always be your parents. Well, all, and I will never, absolutely not ever just hand my children over to the enemy. I won't hand, guess what? Your children over to the enemy. If you're under the sound of my voice, I pray for you and I pray for your children. I won't even hand them over to the enemy. Not going to happen. Not even on my worst day. Never going to happen. Because why? I understand the God of Molech and Milcom is sitting there with their arms outstretched looking for a child sacrifice. And you won't have none. You won't have none on my watch. You will not have none. No matter my struggle, no matter what I believe I've been through in my lifetime, I focus on growing up and maturing in God so that so that I can teach my children what I learn. So I can't run from my suffering. So in this particular case, like I was talking about, you know, the spirit of adultery and how it, it works with the spirit of pride and arrogance to protect, to protect those who have been in, uh, who have not had the childhoods that maybe they desire to have and who have had grown up under extenuating circumstances that no child should have to experience, it protects them. But can I tell you today that if you're under the sound of my voice and if you've grown up in search, such circumstances that God has freed you right now, you are free right now. The spirit of discernment, discernment, discernment is your portion right now. Your mind is free right now. Your heart is free to love again right now. Your eyes are open you see the light of God right now. You receive the instruction of the Holy Spirit right now. And God, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to direct you in those paths, in that pathway that God has designed just for you. If you're under the sound of my voice, God has called you this day, this time, so that you can be free. No more bondage. All your chains are broken. All the chains from your childhood are broken. All the chains of abuse are broken over your life. All the chains of emotional abuse over your mind is broken. What you did not have, God is going to give to you himself in your latter days. He is raising you up now in the responsibility of the likeness of the image of him. You're growing into the stature of God right now, just into the measure of the stature of God right now. You're coming up in him and coming into a knowledge of him right now because because he has a plan for your life it has not been all for nothing all for nothing and i don't care if you weren't parent enough, uh, knowledgeable enough to raise your children in the past god is giving you wisdom now He's giving you wisdom for what they need now. You will parent them and begin to parent them now. You, be, you will begin to oppose the enemy's work in your life by giving your children what you did not have now. You are humbling yourself now to the instruction of the Holy Spirit to be a better parent now. I don't care if your children are in their 20s and their 30s and you're in your 60s and 70s. God is going to give you the wisdom to rebuild that bridge that was broken down by the enemy back to your children and they, their minds are being prepared. Their hearts are being prepared. Their hands are being prepared to receive you now, 
now, now, come on, if you believe that, say amen. If you believe that, say, I understand. See, because as you say, I understand, the Holy Spirit is walking you towards wisdom. As you say, I understand, maturity is catching up with wisdom. And once it meets wisdom, then you can walk in the knowledge thereof, and you'll be able to share it with those that that you need to share it with just like I'm sharing it with you right now. You'll be able to walk in all wisdom. You'll be able to walk in all, in all understanding because the Holy Spirit, he teaches you all things right now. From this day forward, he will teach you all things, all things. And yes, there will be tough conversations and yes, it will be hard and yes, it will be difficult, but God is empowering you with strength right now. He's empowering you with the spirit of confrontation right now. He's empowering you with the spirit of indignation towards the enemy right now, where you will fight back and you will fight for those valuable relationships and you will fight for your place in God. You will no longer just surrender, just surrender your, your children or even your childhood over to the enemy. You're going to look back over your childhood. God's going to heal you so much that you're going to begin to remember how God kept you. You're going to be able to remember how God brought you through those circumstances. You're going to remember how God would sing to you and sing you asleep at night. You're going to remember how God provided for you. Yes, the bad times, they did exist, but God is going to use them to save other folks, to pull other folks out. You're going to remember how he kept you. And that's what you're going to be able to minister to other people. I was here. This did happen, but God did this. God said this, the Holy Spirit walked me through here. Jesus walked me through here. You think back, those tears are streaming down your eyes right now because you're thinking back and you're remembering now. He's bringing back to your remembrance. Remember when I spoke that to you and I brought you through that? Remember when I said that to you and I brought you through this? Remember that? Remember that? Remember how I kept you? Remember how I held you? Remember the nights I rocked you to sleep? Remember that? Remember that? So God is going slowly, the Holy Spirit is slowly bringing it back to your remembrance now. How he has kept you, how he has always been with you, how he has always provided for you. So you don't have to look back angrily at your past anymore because you trusted God through it. You didn't know you were trusting God at that time, but you trusted God through it. And he has kept you alive just so right now he can break those final chains, those final chains that have been holding you back, those final chains that have misdirected your love towards the enemy that was trying to devour you. But you're free now. You are free now. You are free now. So what do you do now with that newfound freedom? What do you do with that? You get in your Bible. It's online now. You can get it from the library. If you don't have one, you can look at it on your phone. You can look at the, read the Bible and the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak to you and begin to instruct you and begin to direct you. And it's that still small voice, that still small voice that is going to begin to tell you how much Jesus loves you and how much Jesus cares for you and begin to tell you how, what those great things that God has in store for you and those great things that God wants to do for you. See, Solomon, he went through, we have to understand something. We talk a whole lot about Solomon asking God for wisdom and the wisdom of Solomon and the riches of Solomon. But we forget that Solomon was actually born to David and Bathsheba. He was born out of David's desire. We forget that. We forget that he was born out of David's desire to have what God said he could not have. Bathsheba was married to another man. 
He saw Bathsheba. David did. He saw Bathsheba and he wanted Bathsheba and he went after Bathsheba and he slept with her and he got her pregnant. This is why Solomon desired what God said he could not have. It was in him already from his father. So his father couldn't control his desires. His father couldn't control his needs at that time. So he had a son who couldn't do the same. And he wanted what God said that he could not have. David wanted it so bad to the point where when Bathsheba came back and said that she was pregnant, he tried his best to get her husband to come from the battlefield, go home and sleep with his wife. So he would think the child was his, but he would not go because he was a committed soldier. So he set him up so that he would be on the front line of a battle and that he would get killed. And then after, after Bathsheba goes, gets done mourning, after her period of mourning, then he takes Bathsheba as one of his wives. This whole time, Solomon is in her womb. Solomon is in her womb. He's experiencing the grief of his mother that her husband was killed. He's experiencing the changes, the confusion as she shifts from being one man's wife to being the king's wife. He's in her womb doing all of these shifts. He was not born yet, but he was in her womb. Then if that's not bad enough, then once he's born, he's not the firstborn. So the, the kingship would normally fall from David to his firstborn, but he had promised Bathsheba that he would give it to Solomon. So now Solomon is in his twenties and he's a king with friction. He's a king with fighting from within. His brother is trying to stage a coup and trying to be the king and his father is appointing him the king. So he's fighting with his siblings while he's trying to hold a kingship while he's trying to follow his his father's instructions, while he's trying to father, fo follow God's instructions, he's got strife within. And if that's not bad enough, he's a child. He's in his 20s. And he's got a king, he's got to be the king to adults, to full grown adults who are seeing all this commotion. And by the way, who probably know how he got here, who are probably clear of everything that's happened, especially in the king's house, are clear that David killed his stepfather, that David married his mother. He had to have heard that somewhere down the line, how he got here. And all of that is bearing on him. So this is a man, a young man, a young man, by the way, who is who from the womb, from birth, has 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 a lot, a lot happening within. And then he's born and it's happening without. It's happening around him. It's happening, happening externally to add to all that's happening internally. So this is an example for us to say that, you know, we got to we have to remember that Solomon, just as we did, just as we have, he has lived possibly a tumultuous childhood. And now he's stepping into kingship. He's still stepping into it, though. And he's asking for God's help with how to guard the people, how to how to how to govern the people. But yet he doesn't even know how to govern himself. He doesn't even know how to govern himself. So he's still trying to figure it out. I say that all to say that the experience that we're supposed to walk through sometimes resists our leaving without a level of residue that can weigh us down and make us susceptible to adding additional brides or grooms to the wedding other than those we stood at the altar with and said, I do. So it's worth the time to pause and make sure you are espoused to one husband, just one, just one, just one. You got one choice, just one choice. Otherwise, otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, otherwise you create stumbling blocks to your faith. Otherwise you create stumbling blocks to your faith. And the goal, the goal, the goal is to walk with Jesus and walk with him alone, him alone. I'm going to stop right there because I want you to think about all that I've said as we come into 
a new day, a new hour, a new year, as we come into the newness of our understanding of who God is in us, I want you to consider who you're a spouse to and begin to divorce some people, begin to divorce some false gods. Remember now, you're going to stand. What I, what I decreed and declared earlier, it still stands. Freedom is yours. Freedom is yours. Freedom is yours. And for those of you who don't want to, who, who, who don't want to or don't see a need to examine, then you'll be taken over by that which you ignore. So let's not ignore or take lightly. Let's not take lightly that which has intruded, intruded, that has entered into our course and disrupted in a way of a stumbling block to our faith. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you that you're still God, that you're my Lord, my Savior, and my deliverer forever, forever forever. You're my rescuer. And I thank you, oh God. I thank you. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, who died so that I could even talk to you right now. And I thank you, God, for making free, healing, and delivering those that are under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you, God, for leaders everywhere, especially who have the patience for us to, to wait for us to grow into the knowledge of the image of Christ. For I would not be standing here today, sitting here today without my leader. So I thank you today for my leader, Apostle Kent. And I thank you today for leaders across the world who are under the sound of my voice. And I've asked you today to strengthen them, strengthen them in the work of their hand, strengthen them, God, and give them patience, give them endurance in the name of Jesus. And I speak now to your people who are called by your name. And I ask you to continue to raise them up in your likeness and your image. And I ask you, God, to help them to put away childish things. And I ask you, God, to raise them up in your likeness and in your image. Cause them not to look to the left nor the right, but cause them to fix their eyes on you like a flint. Cause them, oh God, to walk worthy of the vocation wherein they are called. Cause them to put aside the subtle the subtleness of sin, cause them to put aside the subtleness of serving other gods, cause them to put aside anything that is not like you. Cause your will and purpose to be done in their life, to manifest in their life, because I, because I asked you to. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray I give you all glory and I give you all honor and I give you permission, permission to enter in, to enter into those that will receive you on today, to enter in and make your presence known. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. I shall see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. Until then, don't let go. Don't let go. Hold on to God's unchanging hand until you can have unchanging hands. Hold on to God's unchanging hands. I'll see you on next week. Come on, don't let go. Don't let go. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, don't let go. See you next Monday at 7. God bless. No, I'm praying for you.